to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your host, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Lawrence Smith. Ah, this is the FCS Fans Nation podcast. I am your Bison admin, Matthew Frazee, live here in a cold North Dakota alongside, no matter what you're listening on, no matter where you're listening from, whether it's on iTunes, Apple, Google Play Store, or any other crazy app like the Anchor app. Thank you so much for tuning in to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. That was my best Colin Cowherd personation. Personation. Can't even get my words right tonight. Best Colin Cowherd personation. Um, I have to apologize up front to everybody. You are stuck with your Bison admin, Matthew Frazee. My good friends are James Madison admin. One of them, Lawrence Smith, is off tonight. Our faithful Eastern Washington admin, Kyler Neal, is also off tonight. So you've got me, Matthew Frazee. Whether you're listening on your way to work, whether you're listening at work, whether you just want to learn something new about FCS football and you've just stumbled upon this podcast, I'm going to do my best tonight. How am I going to be able to do this entire thing by myself? I have dug in and found the best research and the best unbiased factual evidence to answer all of the questions. Now, if you're new to the podcast, all these questions are coming from FCS Football Fans Nation. It's a Facebook page that we've set up. We're at about 6,800 members for fans of FCS football. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, pretty much anywhere where there's social media. We also have a website. It's pretty cool. FCS Football Fans Nation comes out every week, and they give us questions. And usually it's Lawrence, Kyler, and I bouncing the ideas off each other, saying ridiculous things. This week, it's just myself. But don't worry. Don't tune out quite yet. I think you're going to enjoy what I have to say. So first off, I want to thank everybody who tossed questions out this week. I'm sure you were expecting the factual stuff from Kyler and the awesome opinions of Mr. Lawrence Smith. But the unbiased Bison fan, Matthew Frazee, myself, I'm going to do the best that I can for you guys. And I think you're going to enjoy what I have to say. So I am a huge fan of Mr. Colin Cowherd. I know he's an Eastern Washington graduate. And I'm going to try to take things his way. He usually likes to twist things into comparisons and use lots of factual evidence to back up his opinions and what he's trying to say. So that's exactly what I'm going to do with you guys this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever you're catching this podcast. Thanks for checking it out. Let's start with Mr. Josh Ridgway. He's a big fan of James Madison. He's very active on our page. Josh, thanks for the question. He simply asks if James Madison wins their last two games in dominating fashion, let's say 70 to nothing, just a good old beating. Could they re-earn a top eight position, possibly with the assistance of other top eight teams losing? So let's take a look at the eight seeds, the seven seeds of the past. For a lot of you who are maybe new to the FCS, or maybe you've been around for a while, you know that in 2013, the FCF pl- FCS playoffs expanded to 24 teams, giving us eight seeds. Prior to that, we were at 20 teams. We didn't even have 24 teams in the fields. We didn't even have eight seeds. But in 2013, they gave us eight, a perfect playoff format. Eight quality teams who got a first-round buy over that Thanksgiving weekend. Usually, of those top eight seeds, that's where our champion comes from. At least it has every single year. So let's take a look all the way back, Mr. Ridgway, for James Madison, who currently sits with three losses and a 6-3 and record. In 2013, the undisputed NDSU Bison went 15-0. And that was the year everything was expanded. Every single seed had two losses or less. Nobody at eight and three got into the playoffs. In 2014, Chattanooga had three losses. That's right. 2014, Chattanooga actually had three losses and was the number eight seed in the FCS playoffs. I do have to caution you though, Josh. Those two losses were to Central Michigan and Tennessee. FBS. They only had a single FCS loss on their schedule. Giving James Madison's current resume at 8-3, two FCS losses, and one FBS loss to NC State, it's not comparable to what Chattanooga had in 2014. But I give you hope, because in 2015, Richmond was a three-loss team and the seven seed in the FCS playoffs. 
with one FBS loss to Maryland, they actually had two FCS losses to New Hampshire and Villanova in the powerful CAA. At last, Richmond. The Richmond team that the James Madison Dukes hate. You guys hate them. They give you hope because in 2015, not only did they make a run to the semifinals, very impressive, they actually ended up as a seventh seed and got a bye. They upset Illinois State, allowing NDSU to be a semifinal team at home that year because NDSU was actually the three seed. Richmond uh, lost in the Dome that season. But not to make this about the Bison like Bison fans always do. We're sticking with you, Josh and James Madison. Let's look at 2016. SDSU, another glimmer of hope. SDSU in 2016 was a three-loss team and an eight seed. They had losses to Cal Poly and Illinois State, both FCS losses, along with an FPS loss to, te- to TCU, Texas Christian, who was number 13 when they actually met them that year. So there you go. 2016-2015 gives James Madison hope that with two FCS losses and an FBS loss, it is possible to achieve that eight seed, possibly a seven based off of Richmond. In 2017 last year, unfortunately, you didn't see that happen. All seeds had two losses or less. So 2013, 2017, two losses or less, but 14, 15, 16, three out of those five years, boom, you had a three-loss team, twice as the eight seed and one as the seven seed. So this idea that James Madison is done with games remaining at home against Rhode Island and at currently stats number 20,000 couldn't achieve a number eight or seven seed is ridiculous to say that it couldn't happen because of course it could. History has shown us that it does. Now the best you're going to see is a seven or an eight seed. You've got no shot at the six. You have no shot to be at the six seed. You're going to be a seven or an eight. History shows us that and it's just reality. There's too many teams. You've got Kennesaw, NDSU, South Dakota State. Elon, Delaware, we can see how they're going to play out. Um, Eastern Washington, UC Davis, lots of, lots of things in the mix. The things for James Madison I want to talk about a little bit, though, is James Madison, whether they're seeded or not, this is what James Madison reminds me of this year. I'm obviously a Bison fan, and I remember NDSU in 2016. Oh, the loss, the year they lost. Heartbroken. I was in the dome for that game. I walked into the James Madison crowd. I shook their hands. I believe I said the phrase, go beat Eastern, because I thought Eastern was going to beat Youngstown. I'm sorry, Kyler. That didn't happen. Behind the back pass. Oh, Kelsey would kill me if she was on here. But the thing I think about James Madison this year, I'm going to kind of rephrase some of the tweets I sent out in 2016 about NDSU. And if you're a James Madison fan listening, tell me what you think about these tweets and what I said in 2016 in comparison to this team you have this year. Our offensive coordinator doesn't know how to use our new quarterback. It makes our offense look terrible. There's one. Man, Easton cannot throw the ball. The passing game's not there. If they shut down their, our run, there's no way the offense moves. There's another one. The defense is really, really good. Kyle, we're just missing something on offense. It scares me. It's why I don't think we can win a championship this year. There's three. Got all the way to the semifinals. But if I'm looking at James Madison Twitter, I follow a lot of the accounts, and I'm looking at James Madison on our page. Is that not very similar to NDSU in 2016? A team still viewed as a championship contender, but maybe missing some balance in an aspect. Could James Madison make it all the way and win it all? Could prove me wrong. But I'm just saying caution yourselves in terms of continuing to keep James Madison up there as a championship contender right now. There are some serious offensive issues. And the Dukes are great, and I love to party with them in Frisco, and they've got a chance to make it a run. But I think an NDSU 2016 comparison is great. To answer your question, Josh, absolutely. Win these next two games. Hope for some chaos in other areas. Hope as a Duke fan that Eastern Washington actually loses this week because that puts UC Davis, Weber up there, EW at three losses. You have a chance to bounce over them. If you get three teams in the Big Sky all with two two losses with Eastern winning this week, could put you into some trouble. So all good things to think about. Thanks for the question, Josh. You're the man. Joshua Weezer. I apologize if I butcher your name. I'm very well known for that. Joshua wants to know, is it a strong possibility of you and I getting into the playoffs and shocking teams, even with a 6-5 and five record? It's a great question. You and I is always that team. They're always a team that early wins a few games or maybe starts slow but finds a way to get hot to get to that seven-win mark, six-win mark, and possibly get in the playoffs. They just never go away. 
it's a good it's a good sign of a good program actually in down years if you're still winning six seven games so let's take a look at you and I currently have a win over number six stats SDSU when I'm talking about ranks I'm always talking about current ranks on stats I don't care if you beat a team in week one and in week one that team was number two and now they are one and eight it doesn't mean anything to me current stats top 25 number six SDSU you and I beat them they beat them at home handily 24 7 I believe and uh, beat current number 23, Illinois State, which was a big win. So those are two pretty good quality wins for you and I. But let's take a look at um, you and I here. Let's take a look at kind of the playoff field in general for you and I. Think about the playoffs. You have 10 auto bids. So we have 10 teams that are automatically into the playoffs. You and I is not going to be one of those. Uh, let's give the Missouri Valley Conference two extra teams. Let's go South Dakota State and... Maybe it's you and I, but let's for let's say it's Western Illinois who's playing really good right now and could finish seven and four. For the CAA, we're going to give them three additional teams. We're going to give the Big Sky three additional teams. Let's give the Southland one more team because they've had the reputation of um, you know being kind of that fourth tier conference, possibly the Big South. We had an argument on the podcast last week about that. So total, what does that come to? It comes to nineteen teams. That's most likely, and that's being cautious because I think the CAA probably puts in four extra plus the auto bed. But let's just say it's 19. You and I at 6 and 5, are you going to get in with only 5 spots remaining? Because you got to look around the rest of the FCS. Missouri Valley fans live in a bubble. They tend to do that. Bison fans live in the worst bubble. It's Fargo and nobody else. That's all they care about. They don't like to expand. They don't like to worry about other things. Our page has helped out with that a bit. But Bison fans live in a real bad bubble. Missouri Valley fans are the same way. How about the CAA? It has 6 teams right now with 6 wins. Six teams in the CAA have six wins or better. One of them's got seven. And so we're going to say that you and I has a chance to beat out all these, those teams? I don't know about that. That's the best conference top to bottom. Idaho State sits at six wins. Idaho State, very realistic chance to finish off with eight wins. If they're at eight and three in the big sky, that team is in. That is a good team. Put UC Davis to the brink. Ah, the Ohio Valley. Everybody hates on them. Bob, Bruce, my boys, I argue with them all the time on the page, but it's all about love and debate for you guys. Um, CMO and JSU, Jacksonville State, if they beat Kennesaw and CMO gets the auto bid, there's your possibility. That could be two Ohio Valley teams. Wofford, ETSU, Samford, all in the Big South. If Samford wins their last games and finish with seven wins after a really cold start, Samford could be a team at seven and four that gets in. That's an additional win. Indiana State might hit seven wins, but uh, I, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Adam Willie brings up a good uh, question for them. We'll talk about that later. So my answer to that question is going to be no, Joshua. At 6-5, and five, I'm not going to put you and I in as a French team because there's too much else going around the rest of the FCS, which is going to cause them not to be. Not that you and I is not a good team. Not that you and I has proven that they couldn't go to some auto-bid first-round matchup against, I don't know, Colgate or somebody and and maybe pull off an upset. Upset. Um, I'm just saying there's too much going around the FCS that's positive outside of the uh, the auto bids. There's too much competition this year, top to bottom within these conferences, outside of the Power 3. Power 3 being the big sky, the CAA, the Missouri Valley. There's too much going on. So to answer your question, Joshua, I'm going to go with a no with you and I in at 6 and 5, and hopefully that gives some justification to it. Uh, you and I had some pretty good chances this year. Maybe if they had upended NDSU, that was a close game for the first half. Uh, we're definitely talking a different story. Mr. Brandon Owens. We got in a heated debate, I think. Oh, what we were debating about, Brandon? We were debating about Delaware or, yeah, it was Delaware. Debating Delaware on the page a few weeks back. Brandon and I were Facebook friends, good buds. We get heated sometime on the page, but he's a great contributor. I love having him on the page. I'm going to be in Atlanta for a week. He's actually down there. We talked about possibly getting beers. We'll see how the schedule matches up. Brandon wants to know, with NDSU and Colgate locking up auto-qualifying spots last week, do you all think that AQs for the rest of the conferences, how do they play out? Automatic qualifiers or who do you think will get them locked up this week? So, um, great question, Brandon. I love it. Uh, Auto-qualifiers, NDSU is locked in in the Valley spot and Colgate is a lock for the Patriot right now. Um, I'm going to knock out a few ones that I'm not even going to guess on, Brandon. I'm going to start with the big sky. I'm not betting on that thing. I'm not selling my house. I'm not putting my money on a possibility of what the big sky is going to do. And the CAA, impossible. I absolutely have no clue who's winning that conference. A uh, good contributor to our page, Preston Adams. 
I believe he went with what the hell CAA, and that's a good way to describe it. So I'm going to knock those two out right off the bat. The Northeast. So the Northeast Conference is really interesting. So Sacred Heart is 4-0 right now and plays 3-1 to Kane this week. So if they win this week and Central Connecticut somehow loses, maybe in an upset, uh, Sacred Heart can actually lock up the Northeast this week. They're 4-0, and they play at Duquesne. So if Duquesne uh, pulls the upset, it's going to get more messy, but Sacred Heart could actually win that auto-qualifier this this week. Um, Kennesaw is playing Monmouth this week. If Kennesaw wins, they're going to lock up the Big South. Uh, it might be some cool, trendy upset pick to pick Monmouth. Ooh, Monmouth, they were a playoff team last year. Yeah, they were a playoff team that got destroyed by you and I last year in the first round. Like, absolutely destroyed. It was like 50-13, to 56-13, some outrageous score. Uh, so I'm not in any way going to pick Kennesaw to lose to Monmouth. So with Kennesaw with the win this week, Brandon, I'm going to predict that they definitely take the Big South. Ohio Valley, Jacksonville State is 6-1. and one. That's Brandon's team. The Gamecocks, staying cocky. The Ohio Valley, Jacksonville State is 6-1 in conference. CMO's at 5-1. And, and you're like, well, that's kind of weird. That's a whole game difference. That's because Jacksonville State only played two out-of-conference games to start the year because they're playing Kennesaw at the end. So CMO is actually one game behind. So let's say they both win this week. We actually, uh, if you look at the standings, CMO is actually below Jacksonville State because they're obviously 5-1. and one. Jacksonville State is 6-1. and one. Uh, so you have to wait all the way till the end to see how that plays out. Because unless the rules in the Ohio Valley are different, uh, the tiebreaker should go to CMO if they both finish at 7-1 in the conference. CMO gets the out of bid. Now, if Jacksonville State is able to upend Kennesaw, they're in at a net large pretty easily. They're going to be super fringe, in my opinion, out of the playoffs if they lose to Kennesaw at the end. Uh, but Simo's got to play Murray State, and they're the third team in the Ohio Valley. It's not an easy win, but if they get by them, they should coast all the way to that auto bid. Uh, Pioneer, Mariste is 5-1, San Diego 6-0, and and they meet in the last week. So in my opinion, Mariste and San Diego are going to play for the Pioneer auto bid, and that's going to be a one-bid conference. I'll stick with San Diego, the Toreros. If you're beating Big Sky teams and you have that consistency, I'll stick with them. Southland, you're a complete mess. I'm not going to guess. Sorry, Brandon. I can't give you a Southland. I can't give you a Big Sky. I can't give you the CAA. They're the most intriguing, but they are just chaos right now. And to predict with two weeks left, a winner, that's too tough. Uh, Southern, ETSU is playing Sanford at the end. So they're in a bye this week. Um, but Sanford's 4-2 and two and ETSU is 6-1. and one. ETSU is on the bye, not Sanford. It's interesting because if Wofford drops another one, they're at 4-2. and two, And Sanford is going to play ETSU at the end. And then they could all be, I mean, just two losses, one losses. If ETSU wins out at the end, then they've got the auto, auto bid. Uh, but the Southern could get really interesting. Do I see Wofford getting upset? No. But if they do, it gets really intriguing. Even if they don't and Sanford beat ETSU, I'm not really sure how that all plays out. So that's going to be pretty intense. Hopefully that gives a good breakdown on auto qualifiers, Brandon, and kind of my predictions for how it's going to play out. A few of those can't even make an attempt at it. Uh, Joey Hughes wants to know if UND wins their next two games, do you think that they will make the playoffs? So the interesting thing about UND is that they were playing a lot of these games and people were using them as trendy picks after the Sam Houston win. Um, after the Sam Houston win, everyone was like, holy moly, this team is for real. Uh, because it's Sam Houston, obviously, though, has not panned out. They are not a team that looks good on a resume right now for them. So let's take a look at UND. You beat Mississippi Valley State. Not impressive. Got killed by Washington FBS. You beat Sam Houston, which is no longer an impressive win because Sam Houston has dropped out. You lost to ranked Idaho State. Beat Northern Colorado. Not impressive. Um, your wins have them come against Montana, Sacramento State. Um, and you recently just had two losses. You lost to Idaho at home. That's a terrible loss. And you had a five-point loss to Weber State, which in the simple rating system, only a five-point loss helps you in a key game matchup. But it's still a loss. So my question for UND fans is going to be, where's the quality? Because you're going to beat Portland State and you're going to beat Northern Arizona. Which is good. That's not bad. You're going to finish off with two teams that really are not viewed as a uh, very impressive team. But that's going to put UND at a total of 7-4. and four. And you're going to be 7-4 and four with no quality wins. So at 7-4, and four, no quality wins. Um, the success of the Big Sky Missouri Valley and the CAA. And you're an independent. Independence, you know, 
while they played a Big Sky schedule, that's not going to do you any favors. I think UND is already out of the playoff race. Uh, you can't say because I'm a Bison fan that I'm being biased because I'd love to see UND in the second round. I think it'd be an awesome matchup. And on an earlier podcast, I picked UND to be the next dynasty of the FCS after NDSU due to funding, location, and returning to the Valley. So fighting Hawks fans, um, don't get mad at me. I'm not being biased. I just think it's 7-4, and four, UND is out. It's not a team that's going to make the playoffs. Like we talked about, there's 19 spots that are pretty much already filled based off of how it usually works. UND is not going to be one of those last five. So pretty easy thing to get over. And we got some more questions about teams and playoff scenarios. I love these. Darren Fontana, one of our best Stony Brook contributors on the page. He's a good guy. I'm glad we have him. He likes to give James Madison fans some crap. Uh, James, uh, he wants to know about Stony Brook. If they lose to Delaware and beat UA, are they in? So obviously if you win these next two games, Stony Brook's going to be in the playoffs because a win over Delaware is going to be huge. And uh, I'm going to give my reasoning, but I'm going to say this first, Darren. My upset pick of the week is you guys beating Delaware. I am picking Stony Brook at home, who almost beat James Madison to upend Delaware. Congratulations, Delaware. You beat Elon. After Elon lost their starting quarterback the week prior, and I believe starting running back. Congratulations. A team that came off a huge win and was probably going to have a little bit of a letdown anyways, loses star players. Not that impressed. Delaware's playing really good. They are the hot team. But you know what happens to hot team in the C- hot teams in the CAA this year? They just seem to get beat. Towson was hot, and then they got beat. James Madison was hot, and they got beat. Well, maybe Stony Brook, well, now they got beat. And Elon gets beat. Everybody gets beat. That is the best conference top to bottom. I am 100% taking Stony Brook this week. Um, since I'm doing my best Colin Coward here, um, I guess next week, Darren, I'll do a where Matthew was right, where Matthew was wrong if you guys do lose. But I'm giving you confidence, man. I'm going to pick you to win. But I'm playing off of your scenario here. So in your scenario, Delaware has lost to Stony Brook. And then you guys have won your final game over UA, which is a team no one would be impressed by, but you get that last win. So you're 7-4. and four. Where is your quality win at 7-4, and four, Darren? That's my question. Because 9-2 and two McNeese in the Southland missed the playoffs last year because they had two losses against their good ranked teams. I want you to think about that. McNeese last year has two losses, and they're both to their quality opponents. And then they win nine games. Nine games against teams that are not good. And at 9-2, and two, they didn't make it. Well, it's the Southland. It's the Southland. It's the Southland. Stony Brook's in the same scenario. At 7-4 and four in the Power 3, that usually gives you a chance to get in, but you need quality wins. You need quality wins. Stony Brook got beat bad by Towson, who's ranked right now. They got beat really bad. They almost beat James Madison, which in the simple rating system is going to help you because it's only a three-point loss in a key game. And you lost to Delaware. So where's the quality win? There's currently no ranked wins for Stony Brook, and they're going to be sitting at seven. Could I see them possibly being that last team in, something like that? Yes, absolutely. But I think you need that win over Delaware to get in, honestly. I think the FCS is too competitive this year. So it's 7-4, and four, Darren. I'm going to say no. Luckily for you, I'm picking you to win this week. I'm going to say at 8-3, and three, you guys get in. That's my prediction. Where Matthew is right, where Matthew is wrong, we'll do it next week. Towson time, though. Man, all CAA, I love this. Tom Cord, your last name, C-O-A-R-D. I am not known for my education. I am not known for being able to say names correctly. So, Tom, I apologize if that last name's wrong. I know I got Tom right, T-O-M. Tom, will Towson get in if they beat either Elon or James Madison and end up with seven wins? So I'm taking the opposite viewpoint that I just did with Darren. When I talked with Darren and I talked about Stony Brook, we talked about the quality of wins. Where are the quality of wins? A 6-5 and five UNI team can rest on their resume with the committee saying, we beat a top seed South Dakota State. Stony Brook's not going to have that if they lose to Delaware. There's no quality wins on the resume. It's seven wins against teams you're not impressed by, like a 9-2 McNeese. So Towson, will they get in if they beat James Madison? Or they beat, yeah, or Elon. And they sit there at seven wins. All right. Absolutely. Because of the quality wins and a late riser in the CAA. They'd be 6-3 and three with two ranked FCS losses and one FBS loss. And the losses are four points and seven points. 
four points and seven points, and both of those games were in key games for Towson. And if you use a simple rating system, four points and seven point losses don't look so bad. And they have ranked wins over Stony Brook. And in your scenario, they're going to either be Elon or James Madison in this situation. And your fourth loss is being to a seeded team, Elon or James Madison. So you beat a current playoff committee pick to be a top eight seed, Elon or JMU. JMU obviously not there anymore, but at the time they were. But still, a poss- JMU, like we've talked about previously, could be an eighth seed. You're going to beat Elon or JMU, and you're going to lose to Elon or JMU. That is a perfect storm for Towson to sit as at the fourth or fifth CAA team to make the playoffs as one of those last teams in. Perfect scenario. But you have to win. Towson 100% has to win the next two games. Because if you lose the next two games, there's nothing impressive. You had Stony Brook. I mean, you had Stony Brook. At the end of the day, you'd have Stony Brook. That's almost what pushes Darren's team out and maybe gives you a chance to get in. But I think you've got to beat Elon or James Madison to get in there. So hopefully that answers your question, Tom and Darren. CAA is crazy this year. You guys were giving me scenarios. I had to dig so deep to try to figure this stuff out. It's absolute insanity. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Mr. Nick Parlson. Oh, just, no, not Parlson. Parslow. Is that how you say it? It's got to be P-A-R-S-L-O-W. Just butchering last names. That's okay. Hopefully if I get your guys' questions right, my predictions are good, you're going to forgive me for everything when it comes to last names. Nick Parlow, he has a pending question for me. He wants to know, as you know, uh, fans of the FCS Fans Nation and FCS Football Fans Nation on Facebook, you guys like to give us some random questions along all the football questions. So if you're new to the page or if you're new to this podcast, there's going to be some random ones in here. Don't take it personally. We'll push through them. They're actually pretty funny and good stuff. He wants to know, why do you put your two cents in if it's only a penny for your thoughts? That's yeah, a good question. Why do you put your two cents in if it's only a penny for your thoughts? It's like a riddle because I'm terrible at riddles. But, uh, you know, Nick, if you're putting two cents in right now to, to listen to me, um, most people want to pay one penny for my thoughts, so you're getting ripped off. Does that make sense? If you're paying two cents to listen to me on a podcast, I want to pay one penny for my own thoughts. So um, I'm SOL for a career in sports radio, but I've always been a fan and always had fun. So hopefully this lets you get to work on time and actually enjoy something to listen to about FCS talk. So that'd be my answer for Nick. Mr. Taylor Kalenberg, this is awesome. This is a great, this is a great, great question. Worst team to make the playoffs this year with the worst record with the best chance of making a deep run. So once again, guys, I did research for you. I looked up facts. I dug deep. I did this for you guys. I wanted you guys to have a good experience here when it's just by myself. I don't have Kyler to correct me because he's always right. and I don't say that in a bad way. He is. He's so intelligent. I can never beat him. And I don't have Lawrence to give me his awesome opinions and his great viewpoints take that Missouri Valley bias away from me, even though I am the unbiased Bison fan. So Taylor, the worst team that could get in. Let's stick with uh, Towson and you and I with six wins. I can almost use what we previously talked to talked about to answer your questions. We'll go a Towson or you and I at six wins. So each has a South Dakota State or a Stony Brook win to boost the resume and good fights against top teams. So in those key games with the simple rating systems, how did everything play out? So 6-5 and five Western Illinois was the fifth Valley team in 2015. I'm going to say that again. Western Illinois was 6-5 in 2015, and they were the fifth Missouri Valley team that made it into the playoffs. That's right. The Missouri Valley got five teams in 2015. And they won their first-round playoff game. They beat Dayton 24-7. They went on to get killed by Illinois State, which was a phenomenal team that year, the two-seed in the playoffs. But that's very telling. A 6-5 and five team, Western Illinois, from a Power 3 conference, was able to go and win a first-round game. You have no shot, unless you're in the Missouri Valley, Big Sky, or CAA, to have five losses and make the playoffs. It's because you have the chance to build a good resume. UNI has a win over South Dakota State, and they will have some not-bad losses on their, on their resume when it's a simple rating system. Uh, Stony Brook is going to have that same kind of same thing. When it comes to Towson, I apologize. Towson's going to have Stony Brook. Towson's going to be able to say, We beat Stony Brook. And you and I are going to be able to say, We beat South Dakota State. Now, if one of them gets in at six and five, 
Could they beat somebody like, um, I don't know, like last year when you and I got in? They were 7-4, and four, though, but they got in and they played Monmouth and absolutely wiped the floor with them. Monmouth was an auto bid from the Big South. And they got absolutely destroyed. I apologize if Kennesaw was actually the auto bid, but Monmouth was in the playoffs. They got killed by a team that was had a worse record than them. So how far will they actually actually make? I'm going to say the second round. The most a team that's 6-5 and five is going to go is the second round because most likely you're going to end up in a matchup with a very high seed after you come out of that first round and you're probably going to get killed pretty bad. It's tough to play that Thanksgiving week, have not fresh legs, and another team come off a bye. They've had more time to prep for you, and it's not going to end well. So I will stick with Towson or you and I at six wins to make the playoffs as the last team in, if possible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I don't believe a six-team win gets in the playoffs this year. But I'm answering the question. I do not believe a six-team win gets six-six-win team gets in the playoffs this year. But answering the question, if I had to pick one, it's going to be Towson or you and I because they're from Power Three conferences. They have a quality win over South Dakota State or Stony Brook. Either can make that argument. And the furthest they would make it is the second round before being bounced by a high seat. Hopefully that answers answers your question, Taylor. Christopher Johnson, another funny one here. Blackouts. What's up with that? He wants to know what's up with blackouts. Uh, I have a good comparison for this, Chris. I was in the United States Marine Corps. I was in there for four years, Semper Fi. That's why I have love for Western Illinois, the Leathernecks. Uh, blacking out um, simply means that you pushed it to the limit. That's pretty much all it is. In the Marine Corps, they'd tell me to run. They'd say, you run until you puke, Corporal Frazee. You run until you puke. Lance Corporal Frazee, you better run until you puke. And I heard that all the time. I tried. I guess I just can't throw up while I run because it's it'd be gross. It's going to get on your shirt. That being said, blacking out is basically the same thing with alcohol, Chris. It's maximum effort with a different result. You just go all out, all out. Usually puking probably happens before that blackout, maybe during. You, you may not remember. Sorry to go way off. I know blackouts can kind of be relatable to tailgating, though. We've all been there. Some people have seen their friends go there every week. So Chris, what's up with blackouts? It's just maximum effort with alcohol. The same way running is maximum effort, causing you to throw up all the water you chug before a big marathon. So maximum maximum effort. All right, guys, some final questions that we got here. Josh J. McCracken, one of the best fans on the page. Mr. Liberty, I love this guy. He is a fanatic. He's one of the best. Um, he wants to know how the UC Davis game and Eastern Washington game affects the seeding for the loser. So let's be, make this real simple. If UC Davis wins, that is your two seed. I do the resume building every week on the page. And 100%, if UC Davis wins, they are your two seed. Let me go through this resume for you. Let's say hypothetically they're 10 and 1. They'll have one ranked win currently at number 24, Idaho State, who's 6 and 3. I anticipate Idaho State staying ranked. Uh, an FPS win over San Jose State, a bad San Jose State opponent, right? But FPS wins in the simple rating system give you additional points. So it doesn't they don't decipher if they're a good or bad FPS team. They, it counts. Their one FPS loss, which won't be held against them, is against Power 5 Stanford. And it was only 30 to 10. Um, they're outscoring opponents 388 to 234. So 43.1 points per game, 26 points allowed per game. Defense, I'm not impressed by it. Offense is great. Uh, and they would have just destroyed, not destroyed. Sorry, Kelsey, sorry, Kyler. They would have just beaten Eastern Washington. I'm picking Eastern in that game personally, but we're playing hypothetical. Uh, if UC Davis wins, that's your two seed. If Eastern Washington has lost that game, they are not a playoff seed. Eastern Washington is 100% not a playoff seed if they lose this game. You will have three losses, one of them being to FBS Washington State, one to Weber State, who is a top eight seed, and one to uh, UC Davis, who is a top eight seed in this scenario because UC Davis is 10-1, Weaver's probably 9-2, Eastern is going to sit there at 8-3. Um, UC Davis, Eastern, they each have easy opponents at the end, Portland State, Sacramento State, they're each going to win their last week. This is the week for them. So Eastern is definitely out because you'll have no ranked wins on your schedule, no quality. You'll have a Division II victory, Central Washington, which does not count or help your resume. FBS loss, two top FBS losses. They're not going to miss the playoffs at 8-3. They're a big sky team at 8-3. Eastern's definitely in. It's a first-round matchup. They're just not going to be seeded. Reverse, reverse, reverse. Let's switch it up. If Eastern Washington wins this game, 
I think Eastern is in a fight for the two seed. Who else would we put over him? I'll make argument for one team, Weber State. Weber State and Eastern Washington are going to finish the year then in this scenario, both 9-2. and two. Weber beat Eastern at home. The edge is probably going to Weber State. If they're going to, Eastern can be sitting at a 2 or a 3 seed. You could see right there a Big Sky matchup, 2-3, Eastern Weber on what on the opposite side of the bracket. Most likely, Kennesaw goes to 4 in that situation. Um, unless well, I guess the CAA, you'd have to see how Elon and other teams play out. Uh, so let's take a, take a look. Eastern there, the two or three seed. What happens with UC Davis? UC Davis now sits at nine and two. Not bad. Probably still has the ranked win over Idaho State as long as Idaho State finishes strong, who might be a playoff team, with an FBS win. I think UC Davis then gives no shot, zero, zero shot to a three-loss team being a seven or eight seed. I think if you are James Madison, if you have three losses, if you are Jacksonville State um, with two losses, I think your you better be cheering for Eastern Washington this weekend. Or I'm sorry, no, 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 reverse that. You want to cheer for UC Davis because you want Eastern Washington out of the picture. You want UC Davis and Weber up top. You want NDSU up top, Kennesaw, maybe an Elon. And then you want the possibility of three lost teams or bad resume two lost teams at nine and two to get that seed at number eight. So I've seen on our page quite a few people. They're like, ah, no, you know, mm, I'm going to pick UC Davis, love UC Davis. And they're James Madison fans and others. And I'm like, that does not help you. It does not help you at all in my opinion. So we'll see how it plays out. To answer your question, Josh, UC Davis, if they win, they're your two seed. Eastern is not seeded. If Eastern wins, they will be competitive for the two or three seed, in my opinion. Uh, four, yeah, might happen. I think it'd be a little bit of a crime. And then uh, UC Davis still would have a chance at a fringe eight seed, possibly unseeded. So be interesting. Will they seed three big sky teams? I'm not sure. I didn't do that research. That would be very interesting. So hopefully that kind of answers your question. For that scenario. Mr. Dylan Grunland. He's assuming that James Madison gets in. And he would be surprised to see them on the same half of the bracket as NDSU. I apologize. Would you be surprised to see them on the same bracket as NDSU? Dylan, I'm going to say this honestly. I think it's highly likely. And there's two scenarios of why this is a highly likely matchup. At best, I can see James Madison getting an 8 seed. With those 3 losses. We've seen historically of the last 5 years. 3 of the 2 years. You've had a three-loss team get seeded. So let's put them at the eighth seed. Who's going to be number one? North Dakota State. Where does the eighth seed and the one seed go? Same corner. Quarter, final, matchup possibility. James Madison, North Dakota State in Fargo. Oh, you don't think the committee would want that? I think they'd want it. That's a lot of interest there in the quarterfinals. Other scenario I'm going to throw out there, I think it's possible that a CAA team like Delaware gets your 8 seed at 9-2, and two, a scenario like that. So if Delaware is your 8 seed, think about geographical placement. The committee is required to place teams based off of geographical placement because it saves teams travel money. That's why they do it. It's all about travel money. After the teams are seeded, those 8 teams, they place teams based off of travel. James Madison and Delaware, there you go. So if James Madison plays... ETSU in round one, and JMU wins, they're going to go to Delaware. Delaware's your eighth seed. And that means Delaware, James Madison will play for the right to play in the quarterfinals. I'm assuming NDSU after NDSU beats whoever they play in the second round. So quarterfinal matchup is your most likely scenario. Besides that, if James Madison somehow ends up on the same side in a different corner, yeah, it wouldn't be all the way to the semis. I'm not going to bank on James Madison making it to the semifinals. Um, but if they do, there's your possibilities. So quarterfinals, semifinals, I think it's very likely, Dylan, that it actually happens how things are playing out. James Madison loses one more. We'll see what happens. If they win the next two, we'll also see what happens. Great question. I love it. Scott Moody wants to know a top 10 team that goes down this week. Oh, that's pretty, it's pretty easy for one question. Uh, either Eastern Washington or UC Davis is going to lose this week. They play each other. So that's a big, big matchup. Obviously, UC Davis going to Eastern Washington. I'll give you some other options, though. Since the CAA is crazy, we'll go Elon at Maine, Delaware at Stony Brook, or Monmouth at Kennesaw. I said Monmouth at Kennesaw because it's one of the only opponents that Kennesaw will see with a big winning record. But I'm going to take Kennesaw to absolutely destroy them in that matchup. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Kennesaw wins big in that one. 
Um, I'm picking Stony Brook to beat Delaware, so that's going to be my upset pick of the week. Um, and Elon at Maine. We'll see how Elon goes. Maine's been a, a tough out. They've, they've had a good good year this year. Um, so those are those are ranked. Those are tough wins or ranked and tough games. So we'll see how all those play out. So I'll go with Delaware dropping this week, and I'm going to take uh, UC Davis to lose at Eastern Washington. And if you wanted a third team for a possibility, Elon at Maine it could get interesting. Everybody else is playing opponents that uh, they're not going to cause them any trouble. NDSU, South Dakota State, they're all going to be fine because their opponents are really weak. Um, not not good games. So, um, Nick Parslow, I'll throw that out there again. He, um, after asking me about pennies, wants to know how James Madison will sit if they finish with a split in their last two games, putting them at 7-4. and four. Um, Name recognition, win over Stony Brook. One of the last teams in, James Madison still makes the playoffs. They'll be in the first round at seven and four. Uh, James Madison has established something strong, good program. Uh, the resume is not going to be great at that point, especially if that loss is to Rhode Island. But then a win at Towson could save them. But if they lose at Towson, beat Rhode Island, then their only ranked wins over Stony Brook, who might not be a playoff team. That doesn't look too hot. They might be one of those CAA teams that's either the fifth team in or the last one out. I'm still going to say fringe playoff team because of James Madison's name brand and who they are. Um, that, that doesn't always mean that you get in. Look at Eastern last year, though. Eastern Washington is a name brand FCS school, had the same record as NAU, and NAU got in over them. So it's possible if they lose these one of these next two, they might not make the playoffs. I think it's unlikely, but definitely possible. Good stuff, good stuff. Mr. Brad Jams, he wants to know if this year at all possible for NDSU to go to Bridgeforth. Impossible, Brad. Absolutely impossible. Not a chance in the world that uh, NDSU goes to James Madison. Uh, the next two opponents for NDSU are statistically terrible. Missouri State, Southern Illinois, they'll run through them. They'll be your number one seed in the playoffs. Um, next year, for sure. I'm going to twist your question a little bit. Next year, James Madison will be the best team in the FCS in 2019. I tweeted this actually before the season started. I talked about it on the podcast. James Madison is NDSU in 2016. They are going to return virtually the entire roster to include their quarterback, to include Stapleton, a young offensive line that's already pretty good. It's going to be even better next year. The defensive front's going to be phenomenal. They bring back their safeties. Corner, they lose a lot, but they bring back the best FCS corner, Mr. Robinson, who was getting draft looks this year before he had a season ending injury, so he's on a medical redshirt. James Madison, if NDSU is going to, Br to Bridgeforth, it's going to be next year in the playoffs. And I'm. Um, We'll see how NSU looks next year, but uh, way, 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 way too early prediction. I'll take James Madison as my champion in 2019. You probably all think I'm crazy. That's okay. Um, I can actually, you know, brag about it if I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'll be like, ah, it was early. You know, you can twist things a little bit. So uh, Ben wants to know the big sky and the CAA possibilities. Um, unfortunately, Ben, it's so much chaos. I don't know how much I can actually speak on it. Uh, Lawrence was pretty busy tonight. So the CAA, as we all know, is just chaos. Um, if UC Davis wins, they're going to win outright, and they actually should win their last game, and they'll be the Big Sky champ. Uh, Weburn Eastern and Idaho State and all them, they need a lot of different things to happen. I know Kyler is going to hit you up on the page and get you that answer, man. So, uh, Mr. Adam Willie, what are your thoughts on Indiana State getting in the playoffs at 7-4? and four? Uh, No, absolutely not. So they beat Quincy, who's a Division II team, and, they have, and one loss is the F. FBS. So that D2 win does nothing for them. They're actually viewed as a 6-3 and three team in the committee's eyes because the FBS loss doesn't really count against them either. Of those six wins, you have two three-point wins over bottom dwellers, South Dakota and Southern Illinois. Two awful teams that you beat by three points. A seven-point win over bottom dweller, Eastern Illinois. Uh, your last two games, you get a win over current ranked Illinois State, but if Indiana State beats them, Illinois State's no longer going to be ranked, so it doesn't look great. And finally, at Western Illinois, you'd get a ranked win um who's and they're probably number 24 and 25 at the time you beat them but then they may drop out again they're not gonna be a playoff team uh you lost to sdsu close which is impressive but you got shut out by you and i they had a bad loss to missouri state in my opinion missouri state is what actually sunk indiana state this year credit to them they didn't have a win last year and uh they're at you know they have a possibility to get to six seven wins that's impressive it's a great turnaround coach of the year stuff right there uh, but the Missouri State game sunk them. They lost that game by three. If Indiana State had beaten Missouri State, they're at eight and three. If they win these last two games, which I think is unlikely, but if they do, uh, at eight and three with that resume, they're probably in a fringe in maybe that fourth uh, Valley team. So that's going to be my answer for you there, sir. 
Um, Chris Hammond actually just threw this on here. I had no prep for this. Actually, on the question thing while this was going. Uh, since the FBS can get a taste of the team, what would you name the hypothetical bowl game hosted in Fargo so they can get a piece of the atmosphere? Uh, the Rough Rider Bowl. Theodore, Mr. Teddy Roosevelt, famous for being from North Dakota, hunted in North Dakota. So let's go with the Rough Riders. I think that was his political party back in the day. The Rough Rider Bowl. And then everybody can come up into Fargo. FBS team, no matter who it is, the Fargo Dome only holds about 19,000 plus when it's maxed. You could actually get everybody in there. Um, those FBS games are played in NFL stadiums, and then you have uh, 19,000 people in a 70,000-person stadium, and it doesn't look cool. But get 19,000 in the Fargo Dome, it's pretty sweet. So, Chris, yeah, I'll go with the Rough Rider one. I just threw that off the top of my head because you added that question mid-podcast. So, um, final thing that we're going to go over tonight, and I hopefully I hit everybody's questions, I think I did, um, is going to be, finally, I'm going to talk a little bit about North Dakota State. And it's from Alexander Peterson and Mark Klug. These two kind of asked the same question. On paper, who's the best Who's who's the best team that could upset NDSU? Um, who is most likely best to fit to beat North Dakota State? So I'm going to do some final plugs at the end, but this is going to be kind of my final segment, and then we'll roll out. And I'm just going to go with this. The recipe to beat North Dakota State is a mobile quarterback who needs to make accurate passes and move with his legs so the NSU defensive line cannot shoot off and has to play cautiously and put down a spy. And you also have to provide a, a strong run game. The few teams that come to mind when I think about this is Eastern Washington. Their new young freshman, awesome quarterback, extremely mobile. Seems to have a really good arm. Possibly a UC Davis. That's an explosive offense. And South Dakota State, of course. With Christensen back there, they've got a chance to beat North Dakota State. But you need to stop North Dakota defensively. So you need to beat NDSU defensively, which takes UC Davis out of the mix because they give up way too many points. If you give up 26 points allowed per game, NDSU is going to stop you, and you're not going to stop them. So I'd say the most balanced teams NDSU may see that could beat them out is probably Eastern Washington or South Dakota State. But now it's time for biased Bison, unbiased Bison Matthew to sound biased, but in reality, just give you a factual reality check. Let me ask you about North Dakota State. And this is no bias, it's just reality. Think about Alabama this year. Think about the Patriots' consistency. Think about those teams and when you think about them. God, just here they are again. Just can't get by them. When are they going to drop off? Alabama was going to drop off this year when they went to Death Valley at LSU. They beat LSU in Death Valley 29 to nothing. North Dakota State is better on defense this year. The offense is more explosive and the special teams is better from last season. Ross Algum from the Bison Illustrated podcast he stated, this is factual, Easton Sticks' average throw is over 15 yards on average. That's on average. The Bison offense is not dink and dunk this year. It's not caution throws. His percentage, his completion percentage is down because they are stretching the field. This is an explosive Bison offense mixed with what most people think of as just a run team first defensive team. Their worst game was a 17-7 win last week. Typically, they have this game where they just don't look right and it ends in a loss and it's the one upset before an NDSU goes 14-1. and one. And it didn't happen last week. It was supposed to happen. Typically, NDSU drops one to South Dakota State, Matthew. They won that game. The last two years, they've dropped it to South Dakota State. The seniors were not going to let it happen. And outside of the 2014 uh, really close game of South Dakota State in the playoffs, NDSU beat South Dakota State worse in the playoffs traditionally, historically. So how do you think that plays out? They're cocky, lack of motivation. They've, they've done it too much. What's their motivation? There's 24 seniors on this team. There is nothing North Dakota State has not seen. Their, their leaders have talked about it the entire time. When asked about Youngstown State, hey, this seemed like a game you guys were off. Greg McNard, senior defensive end, All-American. He goes, there's nothing we haven't seen. We realized, we recognized the situation we were in, and we adjusted. Give this team Thanksgiving off, refocused, 
Rested legs, plenty of time for preparation. Give Kleiman Frisco preparation. When UC Davis, South Dakota State, a team that hasn't been there, how do they prepare? How do they focus? The Bison know that schedule like that, like the back of their hand. The Dome in December? Two Davids have taken down Goliath. Eastern Washington on the road in 2010 and James Madison in the Dome in 2016. That's only two teams. The bracket challenge that we do in our group, we do a playoff bracket challenge. Last year was all James Madison and NDSU in the final. Few biased people had different opinions, doesn't matter. We all knew last year was going to happen. It was going to be JMU or NDSU. The only question was, we were all split on the winner. I looked through all those brackets, they were split. Nobody knew if NDSU was going to win. Now think about this season. We all know NDSU is going to Frisco. Nobody has doubts they're going to lose before Frisco. But we don't have a second team to split with them. On paper, it's Eastern Washington, it's UC Davis, and it's South Dakota State. That answers your question. But just like on paper for Alabama, teams that could beat them, it's Clemson, Notre Dame, it's Michigan. But follow your gut, follow your heart, whether you love the bison or hate them, and follow the angel or demon on your shoulder. And however they're convincing you one way or the other, just follow what it tells you on who's most likely going to be holding the trophy at the end. Call me bias. I'm going to take Chris Kleiman, and I'm going to take Nick Saban. Cue everyone accusing me of saying NDSU and Alabama are the same thing. When in reality, it's just a good comparison. That's with no bias, unless your gut tells you something else. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I uh, Hopefully I answered all your questions. You guys are awesome for putting those on our page. I absolutely love them. If you listened all the way through this podcast, please take a little bit more time. Toss us a review on iTunes or however you can rate your app on however you found us. And then go ahead and write a review if you could. Uh, you can write that Matt stinks, Matt's terrible, he's biased, he only loves the bison. But compliment Kyler, Kelsey, Wyatt, and Lawrence. They're all awesome. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. I sleep fine no matter what. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Matthew Frazee and tell me how terrible this podcast was or how much you loved it. Either way, I love debate and I love interacting with you guys. You guys are the best. Reminders, join FCS Football Fans Nation on Facebook. We are pushing 6,800 members and it continues to grow. Thank you so much. It's all about the fans. You guys are the reason that that page works. We have our playoff bracket challenge coming up where you're going to have a chance to win your favorite team's gear. Last year's winner was a Montana fan, but because NDSU won him the bracket challenge, he actually took an NDSU hat. I was the one who sent it to him. We have our Pick'em Challenge on the page. We have lots of other challenges on the page. We have ways for you to win free gear and interact with us. Guys, I will leave you with this. No matter what happens, enjoy the rest of the year. We don't have much time left. Two regular season weeks. December has a few playoff games. And we get a nice break. One Frisco matchup. And then it's the offseason. Nobody likes the offseason. 